It is the least risky, least capital intensive business model on the planet, building an audience first. And Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know how to do it the other way. I have done it the other way, how hard it is to lead with a product first. You don't know where the product market fit is. You probably fell in love with your product, so you're focused so much on it. Well, what if you focus that time and energy not on your product, but on your audience and on your customers? And you say, how can I help them live a better life or get a better job? And you focus on that. That changes everything. I've interviewed and talked to hundreds of businesses around the world that have done that. And these are the greatest businesses I've ever found. It's so much better talking about how wonderful and different and amazing our audience is. And we fit our business model around our audience instead of mm-hmm. trying to shove our business model into you know, a group of people that maybe don't want ready to buy yet or don't get what you're selling or maybe it's not the right product. You never have to worry about that when you go audience first. Welcome to the Talking Silkworm podcast, the go-to show for coaches and entrepreneurs seeking to build and grow their audiences by using the power of their voice. We provide valuable insights, advice, and resources to help you create a strong online presence and connect with your ideal audience. Whether you have a podcast, video channel, course, or any other type of content that involves your voice, with new episodes every week, you'll always have access to the latest strategies for taking your voice-based content to the next level. Are you ready to take action and start building your audience? Tune in and let us help you unleash the power of your voice. You definitely need to start creating content online. So I am an advocate of creating podcast shows, but there are other things you can create as well. And a common question I get is, what kind of content should I start creating? Should I start a blog? Should I start a video? Should I start a podcast? What should I do? So there are many ways you can go, and uh, from these ways, you can use one to start with, and then you can diversify into other types of content, which can include live events, video, books, etc. So where should you get started? Well, today we have the expert, the man who has been working on content marketing for a long time. He was the founder of the Content Marketing Institute. He's published a lot of books on the topic, and he's here with us today, Joe Pulizzi. If you don't know who he is, he is one of the parents, or quote-unquote, parents of content marketing. He is one of the reasons why this podcast show exists, and he is one of the reasons why I do and we do what we do here on this podcast and in this business. So Joe is a content marketer. He has created several business based around content. And today he's going to be talking to us about where to get started for creating content and how to diversify once you've created the basis of your content. I got to confess, I was totally fangirling during this interview because I had read a lot of Joe Polizzi's books and I have been following his podcast and his work for quite some time. So I was very honored and very pleased to have him as a guest on the Audience Coach podcast. I'm sure you're going to learn a lot of interesting things here, a lot of key things for your content strategy in your health and wellness business. So here goes our interview with Mr. Joe Polizzi. Thanks for having me. I am honored. I appreciate it. 
Okay, Joe. Uh, I see you're wearing a, uh, an orange shirt. I know you are a fan of orange. Uh, we are not going to be talking about the orange color today, so I'm really sorry about that. It's okay. I think I can handle it. I I live orange. Every you know, almost every piece of clothing I have is orange. We don't need to talk about that. Okay, okay, okay. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, but uh, I think th there is something important about orange. We ca we can mention to begin with is that uh, you are a content marketing. You are a, you are a content marketing specialist. But there is something related to our audience, which is uh, th they are health and wellness coaches, and you have something related to health which is the Orange Effect Foundation. You're a dad and you have a foundation which addresses uh, health uh, situations with kids. So can you let us know, like to begin with, a little bit about what you do in the Orange Effect Foundation before we jump into the marketing stuff? Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's a passion of my wife and, and mine. We started working toward this effort in 2007. Our oldest son was born on the autism spectrum. He was three years old and he couldn't verbally communicate with anyone and we went and got him an aggressive speech and play therapy and now he's doing great he's he'll be a sophomore in university everything's wonderful but he wouldn't have gotten to this point without speech therapy and what we found over the years is that there are a lot of families that mm -hmm. cannot afford speech therapy insurance doesn't cover it and they're making decisions about should i put food on the table for dinner or get speech therapy and they're going to put food on the table every time so we formally created the orange effect foundation in 2014 and we are a fundraising group and all we do is raise funds so that kids who cannot afford speech therapy get the speech therapy they need and we primarily work in the united states we've got grants uh to about 250 kids in 35 different states and we're just we're just trying to make a difference trying to get people who you know kids who just want to communicate and just want to you know be as normal as they could be whatever that means just have the ability to, to communicate and, and consistent speech therapy is important. And that's what we do. It is absolutely. Uh, I, I relate to that because I am a language teacher. I, I uh, like my degree is in foreign language education. So I used to be a teacher of English and Spanish as foreign languages. So I understand like it's, it's uh, even if it's from a different perspective, how um, challenging it might be like trying to communicate your ideas and not being able to do it because exactly. of any challenge you might, might, might be facing. So yeah, it's great. It's great to have that. And I thought it was important to point it out because uh, there are other, other aspects of, of marketers, right? Like it's not just uh, people focusing on creating content for, for marketing a product or service, but there is also an impact that is being created with other projects. So that relates a lot to what uh, our audience does. Well, and we talk about this in, in you know my new book, Content Inc., or the new version of the book, where if you are an entrepreneur, you're a coach, whatever your place in life is, one of your goals, and we break down six different goal areas, one of those mm -hmm. goals should be philanthropic. Like, what's your charity? What's your thing that has nothing yes. to do with the business? Yes. And so we started, you know, I started working on my thing in 2007 at the same time where I left corporate America and launched the business. And I just think that if you're going to be a well-rounded person, you need to do this. But it also makes yeah. a huge difference in business itself where I can't tell you how many people who, who I built relationships with at Orange Effect Foundation that ended up going to our big event or ended up, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing it because of that, but it just, mm -hmm. those things happen. And yeah. I think if you're a smart business person, you should focus on one key charity. It'll make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. You should build your, build yourself in more than one aspect, not just the financial one. That's exactly right. Absolutely. Okay. So now let, let's jump into the topic, Joe. 
which is uh, building audiences. You are an expert in this area. Uh, so the first question, of course, should be, why should uh, a coach or solopreneur, quote unquote, build an audience? Well, I guess the question is, how hard do you want to work? Like, okay. how, how much more difficult would you like your business to be? Uh, when, when I started, when, when I left and started what became Content Marketing Institute, we built a loyal audience over a you know, two, three-year period of time, and we were creating a pre-customer list. So we were sending out how-to blogs about content marketing, and we would do so every day. We built a newsletter of over 10,000 subscribers today. That number is over 200,000. And we were creating our future customers. So if you are a coach today, whatever you're coaching about, whatever your interest, think about, okay, who is my audience? What can I deliver to them that will help them live a better life or get a better job with the information I said, not with the products and services that I offer? And if you do that over a long period of time, you will find so many different ways to monetize that audience, not just with your coaching services. You'll learn about mm -hmm. all types. And we talk about these this in the book, 10 different ways, that, whether you're going to sell sponsorship or you're going to sell premium products or whether it's consulting services or new products, what, whatever it is. You can do that with a loyal audience. I think it is the least risky, least capital intensive business model on the planet, building an audience first. And mm -hmm. I, I honestly don't know how to do it the other way. I mean, you know how hard, it, and I, I have done it the other way, how hard it is to lead with a product first. You don't know where the product market fit is. You probably fell in love with your product, so you're focused so much on it. Well, yeah. what if you focus that time and energy not on your product, but on your audience? and on your customers, and you say, how can I help them live a better life or get a better job? And you focus on that, that changes everything. And of course, you know, that I've, I've interviewed and talked to hundreds of businesses around the world that have done that. And these are the greatest businesses I've ever found. It's so much better talking about how wonderful and, and different and amazing our audience is and we fit our business model around our audience instead of mm -hmm. trying to shove our business model into, you know, a group of people that maybe don't want ready to buy yet or don't get what you're selling or maybe it's not the right product. You never have to worry about that when you go audience first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. it. It reminds me of something I was talking to. Uh, I was talking about with another guest in the show, which is uh, counter marketing is an act of service. That's a good that's a great way to put yeah. it. I mean, you're helping. Yes. You're always helping. And if you help and help and help, I mean, just it should be very natural for, for somebody that starts a coaching business. But sometimes you get so focused on the revenue, you get so focused on what you want to sell that you forget that it's not about you. Mm -hmm. and you have to remember this. And by the way, starting a business is a service. Any business mm -hmm. is a service. The problem is we revert back to the way business models have been started for 30 to 40 years. And we're like, oh, okay, we have to launch with the greatest product known to humankind. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that model is antiquated. That, that is an older model. That was a model before Google, before social media, before all these communication tools came into effect. Now we have to do business differently. Absolutely. There is another key point that you mentioned, which I think summarizes it perfectly as well, which is creating your future customers. Like when you create content, you are creating your future customers. And this is something I always insist on because people like I'm a podcast producer. And when people like some of my clients start a show, they are they are concerned because they don't get customers after three weeks of launching oh, the geez. show. 
<laughs> uh, so I like I like the perspective. I like the sense of creating your future customers because it takes it takes time and, and and consistency. It well, here's the thing: if if somebody's you know listening to this podcast and they say, "Oh, I like this whole content first, audience first approach," I'd like to try it, Joe. You know what can I expect after six months? I would say nothing. You're building <laughs> yeah. an asset over time. This is a marathon and not a sprint. If you need short term. Uh, revenues and short-term profits. You do not want to invest time in building a pre-customer list and building an audience. But if you have the resilience and you have the grit, because what happens is when people people start a content-first business and they'll start building an audience and then they give up after three weeks, six weeks, mm -hmm. six months. Yeah. So you thin that herd out and then what's left are the people that have been delivering consistent content over a long period of time. They start building an audience and then they start blowing out their business model and going from, I mean, generally what we find is when you start to, you know, let's say a month, you don't have much, two, two months, oh, you're starting to drive some pretty interesting revenue. In five years, we see an average of, of an audience first business could have a, a business valuation of up to $5 million in five years. <laughs> But you have to get through all the steps along the way. So short term, I don't know what to tell you. Go, go buy advertising. Go interrupt people. Yeah. Go put your message on a billboard and see what happens. If you want to build an asset, if you want to invest in your audience and your customers, you, you're, it's going to take you know, 12 to 18 months just to get started. Yeah, yeah. It takes a long time and, and effort and, and patience. Uh, some, something I usually discuss with Sebastian, my co-host, is like we check the numbers, the statistics, and it's like an emotional roller coaster. You know, like sometimes the numbers are really good. They are like peaks of uh, downloads. And we're so glad about it. <laughs> and then they just drop. And they were like, okay, we're stopping this thing. And then he goes, he tells me, okay, guy, like, man, you, you gotta focus and we gotta be persistent and, and consistent here. Yeah, it's just like if you buy a stock, right? You don't don't check the stock price every day. But mm -hmm. if you check the stock price every three months and six months, it should be yeah. up. So, and that's the same thing. You know, no, you don't check your, your podcast downloads or your e-newsletter subscribers every day. But, mm -hmm. you know, check them on a consistent basis so you can learn. Actually, what you want to do is look at the data so you can learn from it. Mm -hmm. What content are they engaged in? What makes the most sense for them? Where am I making an impact with my content? So we'll look at, uh, you know, when we, you know, with our business, The Tilt, you know, I'll look at, okay, this article did really well. This article was shared the most. And then we talk with the editorial team and say, okay, this is resonating. We need to move in this direction for the next podcast, newsletter, whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 absolutely. Uh, Joe, uh, what I wanted to do um, today mainly, now that we've set the basis for, for the topic here, is kind of project where a content creator, an entrepreneur, or a content entrepreneur, as, as you call them, uh, could see themselves in the future once they've built that content basis. So, for example, uh, we focus on podcasts. So after, after they've been working on podcasts for a while, they build that audience through podcasting. There is something you propose in your in your uh, book, Content Inc., uh, but that's the 2016 edition because I'm aware there is a new edition, which we will talk about in a moment, uh, which is uh, the... Oh, let, let me think. I find it here. I, I have the books in my notes and everything. Okay, the three and three model, um, which covers like different ways you should focus on building an audience so you can call yourself like you have covered or you can say you have covered all the aspects of, of audience building and all the different channels. 
So can you give us a general idea of what this uh, 3N3 model is? Absolutely. So I want to I want to go into a couple aspects of this because we've changed the new version, but it's it's the same concept. So the first thing is, and you talked about this really well with you are a podcaster first. Mm -hmm. If you are going to do this model, you start with one core platform. You start with one content type to on one platform. You consistently deliver over time. So that would be, I'm going to start with a podcast. I'm going to start with a YouTube series, a, a Twitch channel, TikTok, whatever. I'm going to deliver consistently over time. Where most entrepreneurs get into trouble is they launch multiple things at the same time. I'm going to do the podcast and the YouTube series and the TikTok. It never works that way. Now, as a coach, as an entrepreneur, as you diversify, what you want to do is you want to move into what you said is the three and three model. I, the bet, and this is what I did, and this is what a number of people were, look at. If you look at the th kind of the three core elements of blog, book, and speaking, mm -hmm. it is so important to making this thing work. So, if you want to build this thing out into something and become the leading informational expert, you probably start with some kind of what is that core platform? Could be a blog, but it has to be something. And then you integrate that into You know, what do you stand for? That could be the book, like I wrote Content Inc. And then how do you make this thing go? Well, I'm speaking with you on this podcast. I just got off of another podcast 30 minutes ago. I do mm -hmm. speaking in person. I do webinars. I do whatever. You've got to get that word out and help other people with their platforms to help yourself and help build an audience. So, but the core to that whole thing working, David, is to make sure that you don't diversify too quickly. Yeah. Find what you're, what we talk about this in the book, what's your content tilt? What is that differentiation? What is that hook that only you can provide to that audience? And then where are you going to tell that story? And don't be everywhere at once. And whoever said, and I said this 13 years ago, and I feel bad about it. I said, be everywhere your customers are at online. And I was wrong. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be everywhere your customers are at online. You should focus on being great and being exceptional and being indispensable in one location first build that audience, and then you can diversify once you built the minimum viable audience. Okay. So Joe, you, we've just mentioned, or you've just mentioned that you should not diversify at the beginning. Like you should first build one channel and focus on building that channel. But what could be a good moment or what would be the cue for us to know that it's a good moment to diversify? Is it like a numbers or the audience size or how comfortable you feel about it? What, what could be the cues or indicators for you to know, okay, I'm going to start doing public speaking or I'm going to write a book or do something else? I think if you look at from going from platform to platform, you set a number based on the research you have. So for us, I knew that if we built a content marketing institute, if we built an audience of 10,000 opt-in subscribers, that would be enough to start driving revenue. Once we got to that point to start driving revenue, we would open up the revenue possibilities and then diversify into another area. So mm -hmm. what is your number? You're not, like If you're a business-to-business -business company and you do coaching for B2B company, then maybe your number's 500. Mm -hmm. Maybe, um, and maybe from a podcast standpoint, you said, okay, if I do... 5,000 downloads an episode, that's something where I can pick up a sponsor. I can start to, to drive revenue there. And then I'm going to diversify into an email newsletter. Mm -hmm. So you need to pick a number, but it should be based on some kind of research. And depending on your industry and depending on what you're looking at, fine. I got you know, a friend of mine, Matthew Patrick. He's a case study in the book. He's got the Game Theory YouTube channel. He has, I think, 13 million subscribers right now. His minimum mm -hmm. was 500,000. 
He said, I have to get to 500,000 subscribers first before I do anything else. And he's got all kinds of new channels now. But he's like, mm -hmm. get to that number. And what you do is you focus on that number and all you're doing is building audience at that point. So he's like, okay, I got the podcast. I said, all I'm doing, I'm working with influencers. I'm trying to get word out. I'm using a little social media advertising to get the word out on the podcast. I'm doing everything I can to get people to listen to this podcast. This is my thing. And then once you hit your number, then you can look and diversify. So set the hypothesis and don't even do anything else. Don't look at anything. Don't yeah. get tempted to do anything else until you hit that number and become great at that one thing. And by the way, that's how all great media companies have started. If you look at Financial Times, New York Times, Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, Tech Talks, anything, they all started one channel, one content type, one platform. And then once they built that audience, then they started to diversify. Mm -hmm. It's a challenge because we have, like or the platforms we see, shows like shiny old objects everywhere. So you have that temptation, that urge to ch constantly chase like new shiny objects and, and distract yourself from the main objective or the main channel you're creating. So it's, it's a challenge. I, I, I say it for myself, but also for many of my clients, like they see something new, just want to jump into it right away. Uh, sometimes it works, but many times it's just something that it vanishes quickly. Yeah, I've, it, it, rare, it rarely works. It, it, if you keep jumping from one thing to another. So we think that in the social media age, it's like, oh, we just need to create content and go ahead and promote it. No, it's not the mm -hmm. case. People still set appointments with your content. So if you yeah. set, let's say you do a, a podcast, you got to send that podcast out at the same time, um, say, at the same day of the week, every week, or you're mm -hmm. going to have trouble building an audience. Same with an yeah. email newsletter. Same with a YouTube channel. It should be the same around the same set expectations around the same length at the same time delivered. And then people set an appointment for that. They know, oh, okay, there's the newsletter I was waiting for. There's the podcast I was waiting for. I have a couple daily podcasts that I listen to and they deliver every time when mm -hmm. I'm and I'm expecting it. Oh, boom, there it is. And you know what happens if you don't deliver during that time or you go and do something else, you'll lose them. It only takes one time for you to screw up with your distribution strategy strategy that you lose them. And if you go and you go look at the shiny object and do something else, you're not going to be great at that one thing yet because you're not big enough. You don't have the revenue coming in. You're not great at it yet. You haven't figured out all the ins and outs. Mm -hmm. You're going to mess up. You're not going to build that audience. It is tough, but you got to stay focused at least in the first year. Hello there. Sorry for the interruption, but I'm sure you'll appreciate this. We are always creating new tools and resources to help you improve your craft as a podcaster. A manual for your podcast guests to sound and look better? We've got it. A content calendar template to organize your show? We've got that too. A guide to buy the best recording equipment without breaking the bank? Yes, we've got that as well. We even have a course on how to record podcasts. Get your hands on these resources today at TalkingSilkworm.com slash resources. We're constantly updating this page with new tools and resources just for you. Remember, TalkingSilkworm.com slash resources. All right, that's it for this special message. Now let's get back to the episode. So going back to the to the three pillars of, of um, the three and three business, you mentioned book. Uh, sorry, blog, book, and public speaking. So let's break down those three a little bit. Let's begin by the blog, which is, I think, uh, the 
place to start with for most of us? I, I, well, I, do you think it's just exclusively a blog or do you think other content channels are possible uh, instead of a blog here? For example, I think podcasting is a good choice. Uh, YouTube, well, YouTube is kind of crazy right now because you know all the situations that have been going on with the algorithm and policy changes there. There might be other channels. So what channels do you think are, are valid here and why? Okay. Instead of blog, you just need to pick your platform. Okay. Like for me, so for me back in Content Marketing Institute, when we started in 2007, it was a blog. Started the new business called The Tilt and our platform is an e-newsletter. Yeah. Um, yours is a podcast. My friend yes. Matthew Patrick's is a, is a YouTube series. I know people that have a Twitch channel or they're doing TikToks or Instagram or Snapchat, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Pick your channel. So it doesn't have to be just necessarily a blog. You've got a choice of 10, 15, 20 different places that you could go. I think that from the public speaking, the speaking standpoint, mm -hmm. you, you can do that right away. And it's not a diversification of platform. That's marketing. That's marketing mm -hmm. the product. So you can go ahead and you should be, I mean, I'll give you an example. So I'm doing the, I'm, you know, I'm talking to you. I'm right in the middle of my book launch for Content Inc. Yeah. And I am doing probably seven to nine interviews a day. Oh my God. I'm doing podcasts. I'm doing articles. I'm doing, um, I've got some speeches coming up, live events uh, in August. I'll actually start doing in-person events again. Mm -hmm. You know, those type, that is marketing everything you do. Now, so that, so those two are critical. They go hand in hand. Now, if you're talking about a book, this is, this is what we find with most, if you're just, if you're not creating a company and you're looking at a coach or an entrepreneur and you want the best business card on the planet, that's a book. Mm -hmm. What's your theory on your business? What is it? What, what is your, what's your system? What, I mean, my system is Content Inc. So I've, I've written two books on that. That one, I wrote a book called Epic Content Marketing that morphed into Content Inc. And Content Inc. is the real model that I believe in. And that's what I go and I talk to everybody about because I believe in it so much. So if you are a coach of any kind and you're, or you're starting this content first business, write down what your mission is. Who's the audience you're targeting? What is that niche? What what is uh, what's your content tilt? What's your differentiation area? And you know, cr create the layout. What I ended up doing to do that for a book, I ended up doing the blog to book strategy, which of course I talk about in the book. Where some people don't have time to write a book, mm -hmm. so basically what I did is every blog post was a chapter. Yeah, and then I took all that, and by the end, I had about seventy five percent of a book done. So there's a lots of different ways to do it, but you have to set the strategy up. You could do the same with the podcast. You're like, I'm going to do, you know, 50 interviews. And from those 50 interviews, I'm going to create, you know, all 25 chapters of a book based on all this expertise, whatever the case is, right? You mm -hmm. could do that. But I can tell you that it all works together because the, the book ends up getting me more speaking opportunities mm -hmm. and more podcast interviews, which then helps people get to the blog or the email newsletter, which gets me more interviews. So it all feeds on itself. And then two years later, you're the, you're the leading expert in your industry. I, I remember an example. I don't know if it applies here, Joe, which is, um, I don't know if you know the YouTube channel Valuetainment, Patrick Bain I'm not David. aware of it, no. Uh, okay, uh, he, he, worked, he teaches entrepreneurship and he released a book 
And what he did with the book is, and he was telling this to the audience, is like he he wasn't making any money out of the book. It was just a business card for him. Like if people went and read the book and saw the book, it will give him more authority in the field. Even though he was not making money directly from like the book sales, he was making money from the authority that book provided for him. And that's what it should be. Mm-hmm. That, absolutely. I mean, if I so, I mean, now I'm at a point. This is my seventh book. I have a system set up. I've I built an audience. I, I do make revenue from the book, and I, especially from the audiobook series. Mm-hmm. So I do make um, revenue, but for the first three books, no, didn't make a dime. Probably lost money if you looked at it on paper because mm-hmm. we were just promoting it to get that out there. But then that led to building an audience in all kinds of other areas that you know we can get the 200,000 email subscribers which got us you know 4,000 people to come to Cleveland for content marketing world our big event every year which ended up being a 6 million dollar a year event so those types of things all work together as you go you just have to start with okay let's simplify it but i think if you plan it right and you say here's my core platform and you say oh okay, could i build a book out of this the answer is probably yes mm-hmm. think about it ahead of time so that when you're creating your core platform information, you could say this, this is going to be something else. I can repurpose this into that best business card ever created. Okay, great. So uh, now that you mentioned all, all the audiobooks, I, I want to touch on that a little bit. Uh, we have different formats now. We have audiobooks, we have the digital books, and we have the print books. Do you find any of these formats is more uh, maybe effective than the others or should just you know, like bet or put your efforts on all three formats? I would love to say that it's better to go one than the other. But when I look at my sales, I'm split one third, one third, one third. Mm-hmm. So, and this is what happened because I wrote a, I wrote a uh, mystery novel uh, a couple of years ago called The Will to Die. And I launched it as an audiobook. Mm-hmm. And I was just determined to say, I like, I'm just going to do the audiobook. Like, I'm not doing the print, whatever. Well, I, I can't tell you how many people said, I don't listen to audiobooks. I, I listen, I either do the Kindle or I do print. So I'm not doing it. So I can't force behavior change from that standpoint. So uh, I ended up, because the book was already done and it's, rel- it's very, very easy to then syndicate into a print publication. We did the print mm-hmm. and we did the uh, the Kindle as well. And it, and it worked out fine. So from that standpoint, I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't cost any more to do. You got print on demand today. You might as well go ahead and do it. So we launched all three and and over and over again. It's funny how people just get their patterns. I, I like to read print. I'm not a big Kindle person. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody else I know only listens to audiobooks. Yeah. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. And it's not a big deal for me as the creator because it's the, the work's already done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I can take myself as an example. Like I could have bought the Kindle version or the digital version for Content Inc., but instead I got the paper version. I had it imported from the United States in, like to Colombia to come on to get here. But it's nicer just to feel the pages and read it. It's more like a, of a very personal connection with the format. But yeah, I, I do think it's it's nice to have all the formats, like to cover each person's preferences, I think. Yeah. And why, yeah, why not? You absolutely have to do that. So when you say you're going to launch a book, you really are launching a book in three different ways. You're launching a print, you're la- launching an electronic book, and you're launching an audio book. And by the way, you sh- some people, I know a lot of entrepreneurs that don't do the audio book. 
mm-hmm. with the equipment that we have today. I mean, you know, you've got your mic set up. I got my mic set up. Yeah. You can easily record in Audacity or GarageBand. It doesn't have, it's just time. Yeah. Record it. You can get somebody to edit that whole thing for a thousand US dollars to make it perfectly set it up for Audible and send yep. that out. I think it's a huge missed opportunity when you don't do that. So if you're going to launch a book, make sure you set it up so you launch the audible, the audiobook version too. Yeah, yeah. I think I think as a content creator, it's easy and very affordable to get the right equipment, which will work for any kind of thing you're doing. Like if you buy the microphone for your audiobook, it's gonna work for your webinars, it's gonna work for your online summits. Right. So you always and it's super easy to get in like rather cheap, like 20, 40 years ago, this would have cost us thousands of dollars. Now it's very, very easy. Just Click top of speech. the line, yeah. Well, we're yeah. what you and I are using five, we're, was top of the line five years ago. It works great, yeah. right? There's no. I've got an Audio Technica ATS twenty twenty. It's USB. It plugs right into my computer. I can take it anywhere that I want to. I've been using it for five years, and it works great. And you can use it for anything. So, so now uh, there is the other part, Joe, which is public speaking, uh, which well, you you will you will give us more information on that now. Uh, but we have like new circumstances. Uh, it's it's challenging now. Uh, well, now with the vaccines and all that, I don't know how easier it's going to get. Um, what can be good public speaking scenarios for, for somebody who is looking to diversify? Should they aim for like in-person events or focus on online events? What are some good options for that? The answer to that is yes to all of them <laughs> to do to whatever. <laughs> so y- your your job in public speaking is to market your content to build your audience. That's why mm-hmm. you do it. Now, can you make money at this? Sure. I mean, t- t- I'm I'm lucky enough I've been speaking, I've spoken at 400 locations. I've been doing it for over a decade. I get paid to travel and get paid to do these things, but when I started doing this in 2006-2007, Mm-hmm. I had to pay my own way, go to yeah. the speeches. I'd do it for free because nobody knew me. I wasn't an expert yet. It took me probably three or four years to build it up enough where I could actually start to charge for my time. So what you need to do is you need to make a list and you say, okay, where where are my customers hanging out? Where's my audience hanging out? Are they on this blog? Are they on this podcast? Are they on this webinar series? Are they on this in-person event? Are they on this virtual event? Make that list. And you need to reach out and you got to do so ahead of time and reach out to these people because they set their agenda far ahead of time. So for Content Marketing World, which was our big event every year in September, we already had our agenda done in January. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to speak at our event, you didn't reach out by November, you're not getting in. So you have to plan this ahead of time. You can't reach out a month ahead of time. So is there any spots available or I can do this? No, you're not. That's silly. That's not strategic. So set these things up and you have to start reaching out. And then lucky, luckily, if you do this for a couple of years, you'll start to get people reaching out to you and say, hey, can you speak? Can I interview you? And the opposite changes and you don't have to market so much. So I would, easy enough, make the list. Who's the audience you're trying to target with your content? And then make that list, start with 10. Soon, you know, my list got to about 40 or 50 different sites and then you can do them all. Now, if here's the problem. If you are not confident in speaking in front of people, which a lot of people aren't, yeah, start on podcasts. Start everyone, most everyone I know can can do radio. 
I mean, mm-hmm. at least at least have a, a, a an opinion on what they're talking about. So start there, and then you can move up to something live where you're in front of people later, or maybe not. Maybe you could just say, "I'm never getting in front of people, but I can do podcasts." Great, you do podcasts. Whatever it takes. The point is, is that your goal, and we have a whole chapter on this in Content Inc. called "Stealing Audience." Your mm-hmm. job is to steal in a nice way. In a nice way, steal the audience of the of the podcast you're on, or or the the webinar you're talking for, or the in person event, because ultimately you want that audience to become your audience, and that's why we're doing this. Yeah, yeah. I've also heard the term uh, leverage, but I think uh, steal sounds a little bit more. Uh, it's like more attention. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, people like stealing. Attention. You're stealing <laughs> audience. I'm like, well, yeah. let's be honest. I mean, let's say this a nice way. So when when you got companies that say we're doing an influencer marketing program, what they're really saying is I'm leveraging these experts in these other industries so that they will promote our our stuff and we can sign them up for our blog or our mm-hmm. podcast or whatever. Yeah. That's that's what they're saying. So that's, benefit. Well, let's just tell it how it is, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 that's right. Uh, Joe, what are two or three common challenges or mistakes you you see people make when they are starting to diversify their content. So like they are jumping from book to public speaking to blog or whatever the order might sure. be. Um, you, you have to, you should focus on one at a time is the mm-hmm. biggest mistake. So yeah, where you see a lot of entrepreneurs get into trouble, they say, Oh, okay, I've got this great podcast and now I'm going to do the YouTube video series and I'm going to do this thing on TikTok and, and they do it all at the same time. You need to give each one probably about nine months of buffer. And then you say, okay, well, I got the podcast. Then I'm going to launch the YouTube series. Then you're, you're going to divert a lot of your attention. A lot of your energy is going to go to that. You can't mm-hmm. divert it, chop it up again and go to a third one. You have to focus on being great there. You get the system, you know, you do go through the learning process. You learn the ins and outs. You start building an audience there. Then you get your minimum viable audience in the YouTube thing. Then you say, okay, now it's time. I'm going to launch this LinkedIn publishing series, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to go on and on and do that. So that's, that's the issue there. The other thing that people, when they diversify, they like to really broaden out their audience because they feel, oh, we have to yeah. go broader with our audience to get more people. And that's a huge mistake. You should go to the smallest niche audience that you could possibly go. You can I've seen it happen a million times. You can't go into niche. You can't do it. You really have to focus on, okay, what's that audience where we can really be the leading informational expert and focus on mm-hmm. that. So those two things are probably the biggest issue. We got it. We have to give it enough time and we really have to focus on who the audience is we're trying to target and ask and be honest with yourself. Am I, if we do this, will we become the leading informational expert in this? And are we sending out indispensable content? So if we just, if we stop producing that content, uh, would our customers miss it? And most of the times you're probably honest, like, oh, they wouldn't miss it. I was like, mm-hmm. well, then we're not doing the right thing. We really have to figure out a way to that audience. They're going to miss what we're doing so that we become indispensable to them. Totally. So uh, I have a, the final question now, Joe. It is, is you've mentioned you got to focus on one thing. And a common question I get is, uh, well, as a podcast as a podcast producer is, is this a good time to start a podcast? Aren't there like too many podcasts out there already? Or aren't there too many blogs out there already? Or aren't there too many YouTube channels out there already? What is a good way to start building 
a, a content channel or what is a good platform to do it and and how to address this concern like aren't there way too many blogs podcasts youtube channels out there for, like for me to get and compete there well the first thing is there's been too much content since the dawn of the printing press i've been here i hear this comment all the time oh there's just too much content there's always been too much mm -hmm. content yeah i mean remember when you know television was born we're like where do we have time with television well it seems like we always make time for what's important so look at your email, right? It's it's funny when I talk about somebody launching an email newsletter and somebody will say, well, I get all these spam messages and I never, you know, email is a terrible channel. I say, well, isn't there like one or two emails that you get every day that are really important to you? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh yeah, of course. Well, be that, do that. Don't be the spam, be the ones that, so if it's really important and you really are making an impact on somebody else's lives, there's always room to launch something. Now, if you, you're asking the question, do I launch a podcast? Do I launch um, an email newsletter? Do I launch a blog? Well, that's, that's going through the process. You know, figure out your sweet spot first, right? What are your skill and expertise areas? What's your audience is desire? Okay, the intersection of that goes to your content tilt. How are you going to differentiate? Then you figure out, okay, how do I tell my story? If you have a really good voice and you like to talk like you and I are talking right now, mm -hmm. you do a great job with your podcast, maybe it's a podcast. If you're a great writer and you love to write, maybe it's an e-newsletter or maybe it's a blog. If you love being on YouTube and figuring out the, all the aspects of video and doing video production, maybe it's a video series. So it, you can be successful on any of them. And we've, we've got success stories in the book on all of them. So it doesn't matter. But what does matter is, are you, do you have a hook? Are you differentiated in some way? Are you focused on one particular audience? Deliver consistently over a long period of time and then you'll see the reward. So it doesn't matter what, so, you know, it goes, a lot of personality goes into this. Yeah. So what, what do you enjoy doing? You're going to have to do this for a long time. So <laughs> if you enjoy writing, then do the writing thing. If you like the podcasting thing, sure, go there. So it's, it's a, it's a very subjective matter at the end. Absolutely. I mean, I when when I started, I picked a blog because I was a, a writer. Mm -hmm. I like to write. I love the whole thing about search engine optimization. That made sense. And then basically did the blog and the email newsletter for four years, you know, built that audience. And then I, my my friend of my friend of mine, Robert Rose, who's my co-host on this old marketing podcast. Now we were in the car. I was in the car, he was in another uh, state, and we were just talking. We had an hour conversation about the state of content marketing. And we finished that conversation and said, boy, that would have been a great podcast. And the next week we started this old marketing podcast because two reasons, we needed to catch up anyways. And we said, well, while we're doing that, we might as well record it. And we had a whole format and we basically cover the news of the week. So it worked out great. We already had our audience. And as soon as we launched it, we had a huge audience um, immediately because we already had the audience somewhere else. So these things can you know happen naturally. And who knew? I, don't, I didn't have any plans to start a podcast, but it just it happened. It was the perfect time to do it. So, you know, it depends on what you want to do. Again, this in a lot of cases, if you want to get up every day and be excited about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So if you hate producing video, please don't do YouTube, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I do. Like, so people like recording podcasts and they freaking hate like the editing and all that. 
And I love that. Like, I love sitting down in front of a computer, like working on the audio for two or three hours. And I really enjoy that. Well, so, and that, um, well, that's a really good point. I know people that love to record it and hate to edit it. So they yeah. find people to edit it for them. Great. Then all you have to do is the recording. And that's another thing. We talk about this in the book. You know, focus on what you love and focus on what you're good at. Everything yeah. else that you're not good at or you don't love, make a list and have somebody else do it. You know, how yeah. valuable is your time? You might say, oh, I can't do it because it costs whatever. I said, well, how valuable is your time? Mm-hmm. Is your time worth more than, you know, $20 an hour or whatever the case is? So figure it out and find, you know, find somebody to do that for you. And you'll realize that you can spend more time on content creation and strategy and other people can do other things that they are good at doing. Okay, Joe, I think uh, those are all my questions for, for this interview. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you being here with us today. Uh, as I was saying earlier, I don't know if I was recorded or not. Uh, this podcast is in part your fault. You are to blame for this. Uh, <laughs> but I'm saying this in a very positive way. So uh, we are really honored to have you here. Um, Content Inc. is is the is the book that that uh, like led us to know you. I did a lot of research because I'm the kind of person who goes through like uh, 500 forums before like getting to buy a book or watch a movie or something like that. And like ev- all, everything pointed at Content Inc. Uh, there is a new edition of the book. Okay. By the way, I have to say for those people listening, this is not a sponsored uh, episode. Uh, I, I, I'm, I invited Joe because I read the book and I applied everything in the book and I've, I've, I've seen how effective it is. And, and Joe does include in like in the 2016 edition and I'm sure in the new edition, a lot of case studies. Uh, so it's not just the talk, but also like the evidence of, of the process. And I think every single person whether or not they're interested in content marketing, like every single person out there creating content online, no matter what industry is, should read this book. First of all, because the content is valuable, it's like it's spot on. And second, it's so easy to read. Like the, the pros, the, the way you, you uh, express things, super easy to read. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So uh, tell us about... Tell us about the new new book, uh, what the difference is with the old version or the 2016 edition and where we can find it. Yeah, brand new version just launched. You can go to content-inc.com and or however you your wherever your favorite bookstore is and you can go get it. We've got a whole new revenue model in it. We've got the whole we actually adapted. We've got a seven step model. It used to be a six step model. We have all new case studies in it. We've we spent about eight months going and finding case studies from all over the world. We've got some great case studies. I'm so excited about this book. I think it's the best one that we've done following this model. I think this is the business model for content creators. So really excited about that. So that's the one. And then the Tilt is the new business, thetilt.com, where we send out two e-newsletters every day to help content creators. It's the same type of stuff we're talking about, but we cover the news and we go in-depth case studies as to how people are using the content model. So that's what we're doing. And I'm, you know, I'm back at it after Content Marketing Institute. We sold that. Now, now I'm doing the new thing. So having yeah, fun yeah, at this yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So uh, if we, now that you mentioned the content marketing, I think every entrepreneur, like it's impossible to just stand still. You have to keep creating and building businesses up. So yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm uh, not you know what? It was weird. I didn't expect to. You know, we yeah. sold the business and in 16, I left in 17. I took a year off in 18. I started writing, um, you know, mystery novels. I thought that was it. But here I am. They keep dragging <laughs> me back. Yes. And I'm back in the content marketing space. So. All right. But it's great. It's great to have you back in the business. So uh, for those listening, all the links to Joe's book, to The Tilt, 
And all the relevant links are going to be there in the show notes. So go find them, check the book, check the new website. Uh, and yeah, check all those, all those valuable assets or, or resources there. Joe, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time and all the information you've shared with us today. Uh, and, and good luck with the book. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's going to do great. It's going to do great because uh, those of us who have read your work, uh, we know we know what it's like. I mean, we know the value that it contains. So best luck with it. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing your time and your energy and your audience with me and, uh, and all your support. So it's a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks for tuning in to the Talking Silkworm podcast. We hope today's episode is valuable to your journey towards building your audience by using the power of your voice. Remember to follow us on social media for more insights, updates, and behind-the-scenes content. Find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us at info at talkingsilkworm.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember to subscribe to our show to get the latest episodes and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you in the next episode.